Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where our goal is to inform, inspire, and impact others by highlighting organizations who are making a big impact in our community with the hopes that you, the listener, will want to get involved through donating your time, your talent, or your treasure. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. So today, the topic of conversation is around bravery and courage. We'll talk with some people who exhibit these attributes as well as some who support them. So do you think they're the same thing, courage and bravery? If not, what's the difference? In a thesaurus, the words seem interchangeable, but the two nouns differ in meaning. Courage involves the presence of fear, while bravery doesn't acknowledge fear or hesitation. Mark Twain once said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of it. Courage entails a cause, most commonly love, compassion, or concern. Bravery maintains its essence even without a cause. Courage is a result of mindfulness. Bravery is an adherent characteristic and doesn't involve much thinking prior to action. Even though the dictionary defines these two words as very different, we'll be talking with some people today that embrace and walk and talk bravery and courage as if they are one and the same. My first guest today is Ed Garza, president of Center for Veterans Issues, or CVI, whose mission is to provide housing and supportive services to help improve the quality of life for all courageous and brave veterans and their families. Welcome to the show today, Ed. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to have you. We like to recognize those who have served our country and thank them for their service, so thank you very much. You're welcome. And we're actually having a Veterans Appreciation Event at our Ellen Becker Pewaukee office on September 2nd from 4 to 8, where veterans and their families can join us outdoors for food, beverages, live music, backyard games. So you may want to tell your veteran friends to stop by for an evening of fun and fellowship. So let's start, Ed, by having you tell us in what capacity you served our country. So people have a frame of reference moving forward. Sure. I was um, served in the United States Navy, both as an enlisted sailor and naval officer. And then I was able to uh, serve overseas in Iraq uh, with combat operations out there, supporting the troops on the ground. Okay. And so... Ed has a lot of experiences that uh, we're not at liberty to discuss in further detail, but just know that he is a decorated veteran, and we're very thankful for the services to our country. So, again, thank you. We know that there are a number of wonderful veteran organizations out there in our southeastern Wisconsin area that are supporting our men and women who served. Give us an idea, Ed, of, of what the Center for Veteran Issues does in particular and also, what are some of the things that you've been working on? Um, I will say, you know, our, our main focus right now is to assist veterans and their families who are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless and providing them the basic needs that they need to be uh, safe and healthy, especially as we go through the challenges of, of COVID. But most importantly, um, making sure there's a roof over their head and there's food to eat. Um, we, we've seen some pretty tremendous things throughout the pandemic. and. And our goal is to make sure that whenever these folks need something that we're prepared to provide them with just 
the basic life support needs to get them through a night until we can figure out what is the best way to serve them for the long term and that they can sustain themselves uh, as they're kind of going through these challenges. Okay. So you have you have a program for kids. You have a cafe, right? We I have mean, Troop Cafe. Yeah, which, yeah. You have transitional housing. You have um, uh, looking for permanent housing. Correct. Yep. So we, we have um, our supportive services for veteran families grant, which we cover 55 out of the 72 counties in Wisconsin. And that grants primarily the focus is to help identify veterans and their families who are in need of services to help with maybe a security deposit or helping them with a, a couple months rent. We can help with utilities, childcare, uh, storage units, uh, help with vehicle repair. And so we can facilitate this across 55 counties. We've also got a homeless veterans reintegration program that helps with job force development, uh, helping them find jobs, get connected to employers, interviewing tips, resume writing. What Our goal there is just to make sure that we provide them the support and advocacy in helping them find jobs where they can sustain themselves in some, some housing situations. Our Children First program uh, allows us to work with the city of Milwaukee for, for uh, anyone who is trying to avoid incarceration for failure to pay child support. And so it, it doesn't make sense for anyone to go to jail for not paying child support, but we can help facilitate through that program to help them find work in order for them to pay that, which in the end keeps them from going to jail for the lack of paying their child support. And so our Troop Cafe is a culinary training program that we help prepare students, veterans, and we've opened that to the, to the community for jobs in the food and hospitality industry. And we know that you know they took a big blow through COVID, but they're trying to bounce back and we wanna be the source of training to help these people be ready to go back into that workforce. And where is that located, just so people know? It's off 3430 West Wisconsin, right in our Veterans Manor and right down the street from our headquarters building um, in, in Milwaukee. Okay, so if you're in the area, stop by and stop check by. it out, right? And then what are you guys doing as far as housing? You know, we talked about transitional housing, but also helping them to find uh, permanent housing. Well, as you know, we have Vets Place Central, which is our transitional facility that houses up to 74 men. And then we have our Boudicca house, which is for females, which we can house up to six women. And we can accommodate their children if they have any children with them as well. Our goal there is to help make sure that they get the, the help that they need, whether it be with medical or mental health care, um, substance abuse. We refer them to get counseling and try to stabilize them and prepare them for sustainability. But when they're ready to transition from transitional, we have permanent supportive housing facilities that we can work with to get them into a more permanent housing situation. Okay. And you have something, an exciting project called Milwaukee Soldiers Home Project that we're actually going to talk a little bit more about mm -hmm. later in the segment. But you've got some exciting things going on over there with regard to housing. Well, lots of things going on, actually. But uh, one in particular uh, with regard to housing that we're going to visit again a little later. With all the challenges everyone has been going through this last year, CVI wanted to ensure that all Wisconsin veterans and their families that are facing homelessness or financial strain have the tools and the resources to find the support and the services that they need. So many things have had to go remote this last year. Some organizations have had to halt some of their services or even cancel them altogether. So stay tuned to hear about a new tool that CVI has developed that will help vets and their families no matter where they are. So stay tuned and we'll be right back after commercial break. 
Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Ed Garza, President and CEO of the Center for Veterans Issues, or CVI. So you have a new tool that is going to make finding the support and the services that veterans and their families need more accessible, right? Before you tell us about that, though, I have some interesting stats to share that'll help people understand why you did what you did, right? In 2020, the average daily time spent on a mobile device reached four hours and 10 minutes, an increase of over 20% year over year. Americans spent 8% more time on mobile devices than watching live TV each day. In 2020, App Store spend hit $143 billion worldwide, an increase again of 20% year over year. And by 2021, there will be roughly 7 billion mobile users worldwide. So I kind of gave you a lead in there, Ed. (laughs) Tell us about this new tool that you made available for veterans and their families. You bet. Thank you. Um, You know, as the pandemic was starting to progress through the summer of last year, we realized that we needed to do something that would help connect not only veterans but our neighbors to resources throughout the state. Uh, with CVI having an impact across the 55 counties in Wisconsin, we wanted to make sure that this this new tool would be utilized across the state. And so we worked with a, a group called Informal Design out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Great company. Um, and this tool has been utilized in a couple different cities across you know our country, in Pittsburgh and in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Were you guys the pilot program for it? We then? were not. Oh, um, okay. The the pilot was in Pittsburgh called bigberg.com. Okay. And then down in Louisville it was called Louis Connect. And so here in Wisconsin with CVI leading the charge behind that, um uh, we decided to call that CVI help because we wanted to be able to help as many people as we could. Mm-hmm. And the the tool was a great way to connect not only resources but it was a great collaborative tool with other organizations. And we didn't want to charge anybody to be on this app because the way things were going with COVID, we needed to be um, a facilitator of assistance, not trying to make money off of this. Right, right. And so our our thought process behind this was if we can help people get connected to resources around the state, we're doing our humanitarian part of making sure these people are getting connected to the resources they need so they can get a meal, they can have food in their house, they can get connected to resources if they can't pay their bills or get vehicle assistance or get a ride somewhere. And so um, as we as we kind of went through this and we and we learned this was a new experience for, for CVI, um, the cool part about this tool called CVI Help, it's not only a mobile app, but it can, it's a web app too. Oh, so if, okay. you, if you Google CVIHelp.com, it works on the computer just like it would on the phone. Okay. And well, I know that internet stats are pretty impressive too. I mean, I just quoted the uh, the stats on app usage, but I'm sure just being available on the internet is is uh, so helpful. Absolutely. And and so one of the one of the biggest things that we needed to do um, was we needed to share this tool. And one of our biggest partners who came out and said we want to be a part of this was the VFW Department of Wisconsin. Hmm. That entire department 
now is is a partner with us. And if you if you look at the app when it's downloaded on the phone or on the computer, you'll see in the top right corner it says it's powered by the VFW of Wisconsin. And having them as a major partner led by which, who is now former commander Jason Johns, his his mission statement for this past year was be relevant. Well, this helps our app be relevant by having them as partners uh, with them helping us financially to make sure that this continues. We make sure all the maintenance is taken care of just so that this app will function to provide a service. Mm-hmm. And so through that partnership, we're able to kind of solicit and get other people to to be a part of it. And the very interesting part is we have now in six months over 900 resources on our app. Wow. 56 safe places. Most importantly, we have 827 different organizations that are listed on our app in just six months. We've been in over 200 cities. We've been downloaded across 31 states, and we've provided over 11,400 pieces of information regarding help through this app in six months. Wow. And and actually, you read my mind because I was going to say, okay, you're serving 53 counties in Wisconsin. Going that extra step with creating this app, you're allowed to get to L72, obviously, but now you go outside of the state. So my question was, is this available, obviously, for anybody? It is, but are the resources they're going to find on there only Wisconsin resources? Yes, th- those resources that we have on our app for CVI help are only Wisconsin. However, we have been asked by other states if we can give presentations about what were our lessons learned and how do we put this together. Ah. And so we are very forthcoming in sharing what we've learned, the, the hiccups, the headaches, and the, and the great accomplishments that we've had in putting this together. Because if other states are interested, we, we find it very important that we, we help our neighbors, right? Mm. And if we can do this and kind of make their life a little easier, we can show them how to, how to do this. We gave them some fundraising tips on how to raise a few dollars to put this together. But most importantly, we are sharing the data so they can see the impact that it is making for Wisconsinites here, mm. you know, in Wisconsin and in our community, the Milwaukee area specifically. And that's wonderful because sometimes um, I have heard over the years that some nonprofits don't want to share their secrets, if you will, because they all they think that they're fighting for the same um, funding opportunities. And luckily, I've talked to a number of nonprofits as well that say, no, 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 you know, we nonprofits have to work with other nonprofits and share what we've learned, exactly what you're talking about. You know, you've been around the block, you've done this, you have experience, so why not help others be able to do the same. And so that's wonderful. This, is, this has been a great tool to help break down those silos, mm. right? Because while we're offering this, we're letting them know, hey, this is a free service. This is a free opportunity to market the things that you have to offer, especially to the people who may need the assistance. Absolutely. The big thing for us is that when you work with us on this app, we want to make sure when somebody calls your organization for assistance that that phone is answered. Mm. A lot of times... You know, we, we call places and nobody answers. You leave a message and you're waiting for a call back. The people that have joined us on this app to provide their resources have assured us that when people call, that phone will be answered. And that's important because when people are calling, they have a need. Right. And we need to make sure that we can answer that need when they call. Yeah. What if there's an organization out there that supports veterans that wants to be a part of the app? You know, they, that's a great question. And they can get a hold of us by emailing us at info at cvivet.org. That information will get to our marketing team, and we'll start putting together a plan for them to share their information that we can put on the back end um, of the app and make sure that they can get on our app within 48 hours. 
Wonderful. So your resource list is growing. It is growing exponentially. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. What would you say, not just only regarding the app, but overall, what would you say is CVI's biggest challenge or hurdle as you're attempting to serve the veterans and their families? I think the, the biggest challenge is just making sure other entities know what services we provide. I would say that as much as we're trying to be out there in the community, we're still coming across a lot of people and a lot of other organizations that say, I, I didn't even know who CVI was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what you guys do, but thank you for letting us know. And the more we can get out and share that information, the more opportunities we have to serve people and their, you know, veterans and their family. And if, we, and if it's not a veteran and their family, at least we know through our app where we can connect people to services yes. and still be of assistance of some kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that's why we love to, to do this show because we get the opportunity to highlight organizations like CVI and let people know that you're there, let people come aware of the services you provide, and then they can go out and share that information with someone. You, you, know, you never know how life-saving that can be. Um, how can people listening help you with some of these challenges? You know, I just think going to our website at www.cvivet.org and learning about our programs, learning, you know, download our app. We've had just under 600 downloads in six months which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so when you take the time and look what we have to offer, um, a, a good friend of mine, George Banda, said it best. He goes, I don't have to carry 60 to 70 business cards anymore when everything is listed right on the app. And if I come across a veteran who needs help, I can show them how to work this and get them connected. And then on the app itself, it provides directions on how to get there. And so he goes, I don't have to carry business cards anymore. It's all one-stop shop right here. Yeah. And so he loves it. Other folks are really getting into it and sharing the mission and the story behind it. And it's we're getting stories about how it's helped people across Wisconsin. So we're very excited about that. I can imagine. And again, with that statistic that in 2021, there'll be roughly 7 billion mobile users worldwide. I think creating a tool like this makes absolute sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Get it in the hands of the people that, that need it, right? Well, it's no secret that NPOs are always looking for funding opportunities, right? When we ask that question, you know, what is your greatest need? It's kind of a no-brainer that funding is always part of that. You can only provide the services to the extent that you have funding to, to support it. Um, partnerships with corporations and organizations in the community can be a great way to work together for a common cause. When we return, we're going to learn about a company who collaborated and partnered with CVI to help accomplish a big goal. So stay tuned to learn more. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. Corporate sponsorships are so important for NPOs to accomplish their goals. We talked about that. We at EIG, for example, we sponsor four charities a year, one per quarter, and clients and employees and the community uh, participate in that. And then we also give each employee $1,000 on their work anniversary to donate to up to two nonprofits that they want to support. We contribute a percentage of gross revenue each year to our charitable foundation, which in turn sponsors organizations in our community. EIG also encourages employees to volunteer their time so that they give eight hours of paid time for that. And, of course, we offer this show 
that highlights and showcases all the great work that nonprofits in our community are doing um, so that people can learn about them. And then hopefully people and corporations can get involved in some capacity. Our next guest did just that when they partnered with CBI. Welcome to the show today, John Beck from the Alexander Company. Thank you, and thank you for having me. You're welcome. I understand for over 35 years, the Alexander Company has earned national recognition, specializing in historic preservation and urban revitalization. So, John, tell us about some of the projects that the Alexander Company has been involved in over the years. Yeah, the company started off in 1982, and I've been with the company for about 17 years. Um, I got my start with the National Trust for Historic Preservation prior to uh, coming over to the uh, to the firm. But uh, the projects that we've been working on, you know, as of recent, is a lot of federal surplus properties, old Art Deco federal courthouses that have been, you know, left vacant. And we've worked with the federal government in order to, you know, reposition those assets into, say, affordable housing. We worked on the uh, Washington, D.C. penitentiary uh, that had been closed for 20 years. We do projects all over the country. We're in about 13 states right now. And uh, we worked on a very exciting project here in our own backyard uh, in Milwaukee. So that that you're referencing is this exciting Milwaukee Soldiers Home Project, right? And Alexander Company is, is definitely involved in that. Tell us how so. Yeah. So uh, we were selected by the Department of Veterans Affairs in 2016 to rehabilitate six buildings. Now, this is a very interesting campus. Um, when I moved back from Washington, D.C. in 2004, I took a walk around, and these buildings had been sitting vacant for decades. Um, this is on the Zablocki campus, um, right next to uh, American Family Field, formerly known as Miller Park. Mm -hmm. And the, the history of it is, um, right at the end of the Civil War, the women of Milwaukee were raising money in order to provide housing and services for the veterans that were living on the street. At that same time, the federal government uh, created the National Soldier Home Act, and this was Abraham Lincoln's last piece of legislation that he signed. And th the first three soldier homes that were established in the United States, there was one in Maine, one in Ohio, and then the one in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The one in Milwaukee was selected because the women who raised those initial dollars um, were encouraged to send them into the federal government, and then the federal government acquired 400 acres. Currently, on this 400 acres, the current VAMC, the VA Medical Center, is still operating. But the original buildings on this campus started being put up in 1867, um, and they are some of the oldest buildings in the entire VA system. Mm -hmm. So it's got a really rich history to it. And these very old buildings um, that are really architecturally significant, um, in 2010, the roof had collapsed on Old Main. And so the State of Wisconsin Historic Preservation Office, uh, the National Trust for Historic Preservation, Milwaukee Preservation Alliance, all started putting a lot of pressure on the VA to see something done with these buildings. And as uh, one of the directors uh, at the State uh, Historical Society had told me, you know, if these buildings aren't worth saving, really what is in our history? The properties then got listed as a National Historic Landmark District. There are only 40 National Historic Landmarks in the state of Wisconsin. There are a lot of historic, you know, properties, but 
to have a national historic designation, that means it really tells the history, you know, for the rest of the country. So in 2010, got listed as a National Historic Landmark. Uh, the National Trust listed it as one of the 11 most endangered. And um, pressure was put on in order to, you know, redevelop these properties. So in 2016, a request for proposals were put out. Um, the Alexander Company put together a team, partnered with the Housing Authority of the City of Milwaukee and Center for Veterans Issues in order to redevelop six of the buildings into 101 units of housing for veterans at risk of homelessness. Hmm. Uh, it was an 101? 101 yep. units of housing. Oh, wow, okay. So, you know, the uh, of the six buildings, uh, there are uh, 70 one-bedroom units, 10 two-bedroom units, uh, six three-bedroom units, single-family home, uh, 14 single-room occupancy units, uh, 25,000 square feet of supportive service space with uh, five or six VA case managers on site at all times. Center for wow. Veterans Issues is on site. And these are just magnificent structures. Um, you know, we restored the slate roofs, you know, 600, you know, windows on it. You know, there's 16-foot tall ceilings throughout, a lot of community space, you know, throughout. Uh, there's 200... 250 pieces of artwork uh, that we worked with the uh, Wisconsin Veterans Museum and the War Memorial in order to uh, select. So this is one of the most beautiful facilities for veterans that looks like an art museum slash, mm -hmm. uh, you know, luxury hotel almost. And, uh, they deserve it, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, and it's just on these beautiful grounds that, you know, were originally established in the 1860s. So, you know, it's a really phenomenal project. Um, it's already won numerous awards after opening the doors in March. We're currently 75% uh, occupied. We anticipate being fully occupied um, by the fall. But, you know, we, um, we've been winning awards just about in every category on this nationally. But it's, it's, it's a very high-profile project. The New York Times has covered it. Mm. The Milwaukee Journal numerous times. The Business Journal, the Wisconsin State Journal. You know, you can find a lot of really great stories online. Um, or, you know, come out to the grounds and take a walk around when you're at a ball game. Yeah. Well... Congratulations on that. That's that's wonderful. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't an easy thing, uh, right? Otherwise, everyone would have jumped in and got right. a lot of projects, detailed projects that you needed to work on there. What were some of the challenges of yeah. the project, though? Working with all the multiple layers of government, you know, on this. It's an enhanced use lease from the Department of Veterans Affairs for 75 years. The National Park Service and Department of Interior had to oversee everything we're working on. The state of Wisconsin uh, Historical Society, the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, um, the city of Milwaukee. There were so many agencies at the federal, state, and local level that, you know, had to be corralled together to work together yeah. on this. Then the multiple layers of financing and having no permanent debt to make sure that you could always keep the lights on for 75 years. We had to do a capital campaign. We had to go through tax reform because there's multiple different types of federal low-income housing tax credits, state of Wisconsin historic tax credits, federal historic credits. You know, going through tax reform, some of that pricing had changed around. We got military construction funding in this. Home wow. Depot dollars, <laughs> Greater Milwaukee Foundation dollars. But, I mean, the capital stack on this is like something, you know, you've never seen before. Well, so, that speaks so much to that whole 
partnership and collaborative piece, you know, how important that is. Right. It was just like, you know, in the 1860s, you know, when the women raised that first 100,000, we worked with Milwaukee Preservation Alliance and Greater Milwaukee Foundation in order to raise $3 million that helped leverage all of these other dollars. The total project cost was $45 million, you know, Mm -hmm. on this. So it took three years to raise the money, and then it took 18 months to construct the project, all while during COVID. So, mm, so wow. a lot of challenges. I'm sure. Well, I guess the, the question that I have then, I, of course, a lot of challenges. Um, what has been the reward for you and the Alexander Company with the National Soldiers Home? I, I think seeing one of the most complicated projects we were blessed to work on and uh, to actually help you know, so many veterans you know, in the area and restore this National Historic Landmark. You know, it's, it's, it's a great poster child for, the prod, you know, for our company, and it's um, a testament to the type of work that we can do nationally. Mm, wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break right now, but stay tuned because when we get back, we're going to wrap up our conversation with Ed Garza from CBI and John Beck from the Alexander Company. And we're going to give you some take-homes for how you and or your company can get involved. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Ed Garza from the Center for Veteran Issues and John Beck from the Alexander Company. So we've been talking a little bit here about how important partnerships are between NPOs, nonprofit organizations, and corporations. Uh, maybe there's a CEO or a president of an organization that's listening and they're looking to collaborate with a nonprofit in some way, maybe by offering a sponsorship or maybe they want to do an employee give back program or an employee give back day. Surprisingly, though, there are some people and corporations that think that investing in a nonprofit is a waste of money. Some say that they have good intentions, but that they don't make much of a difference. Well, We obviously can't disagree more with that, Um, and in fact, the data says otherwise. According to Impact Matters and then at Charity Navigator, most nonprofits are highly successful at improving the lives of those they serve. Eighty-six percent of nonprofits earned their designation of either cost-effective or highly cost-effective, and more than half, 57 percent, earned top designation of highly cost-effective. So we know nonprofits are successful, right? Talk about, Ed and John, um, how your partnership with each other has been a blessing for both of you personally, and then give us your thoughts on the benefit of partnerships between corporations and and nonprofits and why you think that it's an effective thing to do. Well, I'll I'll start first. And and for for me and for CBI to, to have the Alexander Company you know, want to work with CBI to, to, to do this housing project has been tremendous because our focus is serving homeless vets or at risk of, you know, those becoming homeless. And their initiative with the Soldier's Home was, you know, originally the mission of the Soldier's Home was to help those veterans with housing and homelessness. And so for us to come together, uh, John had an incredible role with the renovation project in itself and and tying all these collaboration efforts to, to build a beautiful building. And then for us to come in and go, okay, now it's our job to come and fill it. 
and work with the group of people to to get the, the veterans approved and get them in a, in, in a home that they can call their home now. And so to see that transition of people walking into this building, it happened because of John and the Alexander Company. Mm-hmm. And so being able to work together, not only did we work on this project, we built a very good friendship. And, you know, that that stands the test of time, especially if we're looking at different projects down the road. We Now we have a working relationship and say, well, what does this look like for the future? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think those possibilities are there. Uh, we already have the working relationship, and we can rely on one another to have that open communication about what's going to work, what's not going to work, and that way we get the job done. Mm. Right. And so, you know, I would say, you know, with the Alexander Company, I mean, I think that we were really the best suited firm to take the lead on the uh, soldier home redevelopment, but we had no veteran experience. So that's why we really needed uh, a group like Center for Veterans Issues in order to, you know, collaborate with. We could, you know, oversee the complicated financing, overseeing the design, working with a 150-year-old structure, you know, running the construction, but there's only so much a for-profit can do. So that's where you need to really bring in an operator um, and somebody that is so ingrained within the veterans community so, you know, that we can sleep well at night and that the veterans can sleep well at night. So that's that's why it's, you know, really important in order to see those types of, uh, you know, partnerships. You know, there's, there's only so much one can know. Right. And this is such a beautiful example of a for-profit coming together with a nonprofit to support these statistics that we've talked about, that these these nonprofit organizations are highly successful at improving the lives of those they serve. And so it started with the Alexander Company, and then you reached out to CVI, and you came together to provide the best possible Mm -hmm. situation for those brave and courageous soldiers that have... uh, that have fought for us. So yeah. it's it's wonderful. And then I also just wanted to give just a, a quick shout out to the other nonprofits, you know, given that this is one of the focus of this show, you know, Greater Milwaukee Foundation, you know, they they took a chance with this and, you know, helped us pull together some sizable donations. Milwaukee Preservation Alliance, you know, they were involved with the advocacy and also fundraising efforts. And then a co-owner is the Housing Authority of the City of Milwaukee. You know, they are a 501c3. You know, so there are four main nonprofits that have been involved on this in various stages of the development. So it's, it's just been a complex but wonderful arrangement. And we may have them as a guest for, for they maybe get some ideas for some future guests for the right. show. Are there any other projects, John, that the Alexander Company is working on in the future? You know, we're working on projects all over the country. Um, in Wisconsin, uh, you know, we're, we're putting in a proposal to redo some of the public housing and partner with the housing authority there. And hopefully there's some opportunities for veterans. And then also we're um, so happy with the partnership with Center for Veterans Issues that, you know, Ed and I have talked about where are other areas within the state that we could uh, have a similar type of uh, housing development in order to help those who have served. Yeah, you kind of set the stage there for um, some future projects similar to what you've done now, maybe on a lesser scale. Um, Maybe not. Who knows, right? Um, What about you, Ed? Do you have any initiatives or programs that you're working on that collaborate with other organizations? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Um, One of the the newest projects, we were able to develop a new wood shop with help from the Home Depot and Milwaukee Tool. And so this new wood shop that was helped being constructed was uh, turning an old garage into a useful space that would allow us to provide vocational training and therapeutic opportunities to 
the homeless veterans that are living with us in our transitional facility. And to have partners like Milwaukee Tool and Home Depot come through and say, hey, we want to be a part of changing the scope of things. COVID-related, these guys couldn't go anywhere. We didn't want them going anywhere, especially if they didn't have a job. So let's keep them busy. And this was one of the most unique things we could ever think of. But we got it off the ground. And our first class actually starts tomorrow with an orientation. And they're going to work on projects for our Veterans Ball. And then the, the, the new project that we've put a plan together, and I know I'm going to reach back to John here a little bit on this one, is we're looking to develop a mental wellness center uh, within our CBI facilities in an effort to address the mental health crisis that a lot of our veterans are going through right now. And while others may say no, we want to say yes. And if we can figure out a way to provide them some services through either stabilizing, treating, or let's get them referred and develop a uh, a voucher credit program where we can build a little bit of a voucher program. If it's more than what we can handle, then we'll refer them to our friends over at African Aurora or Jewish Family Services, all of them who are on board with what we're looking to do. But most importantly, let's come together as a community to address these needs uh, for the men and women in uniform and their families. So it, this is a great collaboration. We're starting to work on the project. We have a veterans ball that we're having in the fall. And we're so glad to have Ellen Becker's support through the Charitable Foundation. And, you know, the goal is to renovate this building, which looks like it, it was an old home. It, it, look, it doesn't look like a clinical environment. We want this to be something where they feel like they're coming home. We're providing services and, and treatment and stabilization and let them know that we care. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you can go to the VA or not. If you come to us for help, we want to be able to provide that assistance. Mm, that's wonderful. Wonderful. And if you're interested in the Veterans Ball, you can check out their website to get details on the date and, and uh, all, all those good things. Before we leave, I'm curious if either of you have any closing thoughts. We talked about a lot of things during the interview. Anything that you want to make sure that the audience uh, takes away from our interview? Um, thank you for that. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, if you know a veteran or a veteran family, in need let's jump on that right away let's not wait till it's a crisis cbi is standing by to help we have a lot of different tools we have a lot of different nonprofit organizations that we do work with in the event that maybe there's something that we cannot do internally within our organization we do have other organizations that we work with that we can reach out to and we'll connect them with that service and so we're, we're going to walk them hand in hand and you know if you feel compelled to to donate to our cause you can find us on the website you know cbivet.org and uh, make a donation, and I assure you that that goes straight to, you know, our veterans at what we're trying to do to help provide them some support. And just say one more time, uh, the app, what's the best way people to get that? Yes, ma'am, they can email us at info at cbivet.org. Okay. And we'll get connected with our marketing team, and we'll get that ball rolling for them. All right, wonderful. Do you have any closing thoughts, John? Thank you for you know having us and let us talk about the uh, Milwaukee Soldier Home. We're, we're happy to still take donations through the Milwaukee Preservation Alliance and Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Um, they have funds that are still set up you know, for an endowment that this property will op be operating for the next 75 years. So mm, Wonderful. Well, thank you both for participating in our interview today. Ed Garza, President and CEO of the Center for Veterans Issues, and John Beck from the Alexander Company. Thank you both for all that you do for our veterans. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or if you would like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community safe and healthy and others focused. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone. There's another app via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, and you can also listen now on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So if you have a veteran in your family lineage, or even if you don't, think about what you can do to make their life better and honor them in some way. Maybe it's offering a meal or a listening ear. Maybe you're a corporation that has been blessed in a multitude of ways and you want to pay it forward. Maybe you want to leave some kind of family legacy that involves veterans. Uh, Whatever it is, if veteran issues speak to you or you have a passion for those who have served our country or you have a passion about some other cause or population of people, We encourage you to just jump in and get involved in some way using your time, your talents, and your treasure. And I guarantee you will have found a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.